Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, the host of Rogers, that a podcast dedicated, obsessed with sharing the story of selling without selling out. Today, we have somebody who considers herself the female Iverson uh, with a mix of Dr. J because she can even maybe finger roll like George Gervin. She called herself the Magic Johnson of the 90s. Also, today, if she was going to play one-on-one against a player that potentially could beat her, she picked peak Kobe Bryant. She's my friend. She is a uh, basketball legend, not just in the state of Texas, but in the country, whether it's in Philly, New Jersey, where she's from, here in Dallas, Texas, um, as the first African-American women's head coach of the Southern Methodist University Mustangs. She's done it all from Michigan to Baylor to now SMU, where she's making her impression felt by being a leader, by being sincere, and most importantly, by being herself. Today on the show, we have my friend, Coach Toyel Wilson. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I'm so excited. How do I follow up with that? How was that intro? Really well. That was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was on point, as yeah. usual. In all fairness, she did write the <laughs> intro for me. Uh, but uh, Toyel, you and I share a common love. My first love was basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I'm in love with it as much as you are now. Cause you, you live it, you breathe it. Uh, you, you, your basketball is a big part of your life. Uh, so maybe get us to the point where, where you're at now as the head coach of one of the most esteemed programs in the entire country. What's the story that got you here? Well, um, you know, I loved the game from when I was younger and I played the game from when I was really, really young, but actually my first sport was tennis. Um, yeah, I, I go and play with coach all the time. Uh, over at the facility. Really? So I love tennis, but that was my first sport. And I tried at the YMCA basketball and they were like, you know, you got something going there. And then I just kept playing it. And I have a twin sister. So we played basketball outside in the backyard and um, in this AAU league. And um, I really just loved the game and got an opportunity to play college basketball, played at Manhattan College four years there and graduated with a business degree. And my head coach went to Robert Morris and he said, Toyel, you are such a leader on the court. Would you want to be on the other side of the basketball? Without any desire to actually be a coach. No, I was going to be business degree, business major, business management, going to that field. Um, So that I wasn't really thinking about coaching. Um, But to be able to impact young ladies' lives, that's what I love to do. And so um, fast forward 19, 20 years now, I'm been a co- this is the only job I've had is being a college basketball coach. Really? I want see for me I, I didn't have the gift of being a great athlete. I was always I was never a great athlete. I was gonna share a story. <laughs> there is no story to share because I was just a terrible athlete. I was overweight. Um, I tried out for the team every year and I got cut from basketball every year from fifth grade until uh, senior year of high school. But it was always interesting to me, these people that have transitioned, whether it's into broadcasting or coaching mm-hmm. Was there ever a point where you were like, oh, my God, this is actually – it's so much harder to be on the other side of the court? Or did you just kind of transition into that very naturally? No, for sure. When I first started coaching college basketball, um, I was 21 years old. So there were some seniors that were older than me. Oh my God. And I was a full-time assistant coach. And so I had to fr- first establish, like, I'm a coach. I'm not your friend. Like, I'm, you know, there's a line there. Um, and so at Robert Morris, the one good thing was my head coach let me have a voice. Um, and I think the girls understood I had knowledge of the game. And when you, you know, kids nowadays, they can tell if you don't know something, they'll test you, they'll question you, um, or they'll try anything. And so for me, being able to have a voice early when I was young, starting coaching, it really helped me, um, establish my, my, I guess, leadership to these young ladies. And, 
um, the relationship I was able to build. And I think that was the second thing, not only my voice, but being able to have a relationship with my players and them know me as a person. I always tell the kids, and even when I'm recruiting kids, kids don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so if they know Ooh, like you that. care, yeah, if they Say know, it again, the kid. kids don't know how much, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's a nugget. Um, <laughs> but I feel like if the kids know that you care for them as a person, not just as a basketball player, They'll trust you. They'll run through walls for you. They'll listen to you. They'll absorb everything you're and be sponges to everything you have to say. See, it's interesting you talk about this. I was thinking about this this morning randomly about, you know, when I started my company, my real estate company, everyone has different advice and rarely is it from people that have actually started a company. But the one, one of the common uh, themes from the people that have actually been entrepreneurs successfully was don't ever hire your friends, Yep. which don't hire your friends. But I was thinking randomly this morning, can you become friends with people that you hire? And for you, maybe there's a maybe there's some wisdom you can share where you talked about being a part. It's hard. Like whether you're 21 or you're older than 21, you're around the people that work with you and for you more than anybody on planet Earth. How do you just go and create such a wall that you're not yourself? But what 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 does that look like for you, whether you're 21 or 20 years into it, you know, like you are now? So it's funny you say, like, don't hire your friends. And when I became a head coach at Prairie View, that's my first head coaching job. I was uh, 25, 26. I was the youngest head coach in the country. And so I didn't really have any friends that I thought one like really well that would come coach with me and you have to think about that you're who who has you were 25 years old as a head coach yes so, so just i'm trying to and so you had been coaching for, for three, three and a at, half years right at robert morris as an assistant member at 21 right and so and was um, robert morris was it a dominant school when you were there was it just we were okay they were on the rebuild on the rebuild. So how did so, you even get interviews to be a head coach? It's- so let me tell you this. I was an assistant for three years at Prairie View first with Cynthia Cooper. Um, she played with the Houston Comets. Yeah, duh. Um, one, yep. And so she, I was doing camps at the Lakers camps in Santa Barbara, and I just built these networks. And one of the men's coaches said, hey, Cynthia Cooper is looking for an assistant coach. Would you be interested? I had no idea about Texas. All I knew was Cowboys, everything's bigger, barbecue, and maybe some horses. I don't know. But I didn't have any family in Texas, and so I drove my car from Pittsburgh to Houston or Cypress area coach for three years as an assistant. She left. And then that's when, um, they said the AD and the president came off. They're like, you're not going with her. We want you to be the next head coach here. And so going back to what you said, my story, how I got here, um, we played, we won it three straight years. We played Baylor, UConn, Baylor, and NCAA tournament this is still at what school at Prairie view. And that's when Kim Mulkey called me after my third year as the head coach and said, Hey, would you want to be an assistant again? I know, you know, that's a couple of questions you want to ask too about yeah. me going from head coach to an assistant. And um, so I went there to learn from the best and be able to still grow. And um, at Baylor, yeah. So you went from being a head coach to an assistant. I don't know. We're telling eight stories at once, which right, is it's perfect. Okay. No, my ADD <laughs> is, is really happy right now. But but I'm still fascinated with the fact that you know whether it's at a smaller school or massive yeah. school to have that opportunity. And again, Cynthia Cooper, I would put her as a. I mean, she's on the Mount, Ev- on oh, the Mount Everest, sure. Mount Rushmore of, you know, basketball players. And, Absolutely. and she was, you know, right around the time as Rebecca Lobo and Lisa, Lisa yep. Leslie for yep. the first to pioneer the WNBA. Absolutely. Cheryl Swoops, remember them? Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. She was number so, 23 because of Jordan. Yeah, she was on the comments team too, Tina Thompson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she, I went from there to Baylor for six and then to get to Michigan, that story, um, that head coach, they came in. The first and second round was hosted by Baylor, and she said, hey, when are you going to get back to the East Coast, closer to the East Coast? I'm from Jersey. She's from New York. I knew her. And she said, uh, I said, when we win a national championship, we won it in 2019. She calls, and I says, you remember when you told me a year ago? 
well, my, my head recruiting coordinator left to get a head coaching job. Would you be interested in coming? And um, I thought it'd be a great, I love challenges. Um, and so I thought it would be a great opportunity to go to University of Michigan. Obviously, people know University of Michigan for who, Tom Brady and, you know. and No, wait, Fab Five. I know about Fab Michigan Five. Fab about Five, about to say, Jawan Howard. Yeah, come on. Okay, Jalen Rose. Desmond Howard. Too Chris Webber, the bad timeout he took. In the listen, everyone, listen, nobody, I think you and I grew up, we grew up in the last great generation of music and maybe the greatest generation of sports. Yes, ever. And absolutely. there was nothing better than North Carolina and Michigan basketball, a little bit of yep, Duke yep. in the late in the early nineties yep, through the you, early two thousands. So, you yeah. remember. I it, it was uh Jalen Rose, Juwan Howard, Chris Webb, Juwan Howard, who might still be in the NBA. He's played for like thirty five years. You know he's the head coach there. At Michigan, oh that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. And then it was uh Jimmy uh King. Jimmy King and then the one guy that didn't play in the NBA. Oh my gosh. Was uh, it Rice? Glenn Rice? No. Glenn Rice went to Michigan, but he was a different era. Uh, I forgot the fifth guy, but someone will comment Chris, and, and humble us. We uh, need yeah. like a stat boy. Anyway, so yeah, Mich- Michigan is such a. I mean, it's a story. It's a story yeah. school in general, for but sure. for basketball and football, there's there's nothing oh, bigger. No, but oh, but so, I still got to hear the story. So you go and and, and this is you're so you're humbling yourself as you're speaking. But <laughs> you get a head coaching job at 25, essentially taking over for one of the greatest of all time at Prairie View A and M, which mm-hmm. is in Texas. You mm-hmm. go from Pittsburgh to Dallas, which mm-hmm. good move leaving Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so you get here and you're at the top of the world. You're a head coach. What was the sales pitch to go other than the fact that it's a storied franchise to go and essentially downgrade your position where the theme of this podcast is again, like your head can't get to you. You got to make sure that you're always pursuing greatness, but doing it in a humble way. But what did that look like where you knew it was, a you know, like what you knew where you would end up? Yeah. Well, to go to Baylor and, and like you just said, I want to pursue greatness and I'm continually learning and growing and, and there's no ceiling on that. And so I wanted to learn more. Okay, I was a head coach for three years. Yes, I was successful, but I knew there was a, still a lot for me to learn. And so for me to be able to, to, to learn from one of the Hall of Famers, Coach Kim Mulkey, and, and be able to do that, it was an amazing opportunity to do it at the Big 12 at, at the time when the Big 12 is the best in the, conf- in the country, the best conference, and um, to be successful in doing that. And so I learned so much. I, I actually questioned myself, how was I a head coach for three years and not know this or not know that? Because I was learning so much and just being a sponge. And you could do that like with a positive attitude. For sure. You know, which I think, but again, most people don't take that approach. Most people, like we had a girl in here, Charlie Collier, a while back, who ended up being the number one pick in the WNBA draft. And I remember Played talking to her. She's great. She's also an agent here at RHA. But, um, one of the you know one of the most enjoyable parts of her conversation was that she knew that she had to start over in high school, in college, on the select team, and then in the WNBA. But the goal was to learn as much as she could, as quick as she could, to where she could be the person teaching the next generation. And it seems like you've kind of always had that mentality, that, that sure. mindset. So you yes. go to Baylor, and, and again, Baylor basketball is it's Michigan basketball in, in, in Texas and, yeah. and you do that. And, and what happened in your tenure there? So we won a national championship in 2019, went to sweet 16s, elite eights, all that. Um, wow. So then uh, I ended up going to university of Michigan and um, the first year was COVID COVID unfortunately. So all the whole, you know, that was the year all basketball was canceled. Um, but the second year they had, it COVID like where you had to get tested every day, going to work. We had to get swabbed every day. Um, obviously, we had the COVID shot and everything like that. But when we went to the bubble and the NCAA tournament was in San Antonio, um, I got about four calls. And so I'm scouting for. How we did played. they get your number? Is it through so your I have agent? an agent? Yes. Okay. 
And he said, hey, T, you know, this team is looking for this coach. Even though you're not necessarily looking. No, Everyone's always looking. No, not looking at all. I was only there. I don't like to – obviously, I was at Prairie View for six, Baylor at six. So, Michigan, I only finished my second year. Um, And so, they said, you know, these four schools are calling you. Would you be interested? So, I just got on the Zoom and just said hello, you know, because I'm just introduced myself. While you're still coaching another team. Yes. Was that hard to go and check out from – did you feel like disloyal or no? Like, yeah. I always up front with my 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 boss, but just the interest. I wasn't everyone I tried to interview with. It was so much the interest of SMU and my familiarity with that. When you know, I know Fran Frischilli is one of my good friends that lives out here, and um, you know, I knew I was up here. Coach Jank was up here, and I had come up here and talked basketball with him before, and so I was familiar with SMU um, recruiting kids in Dallas. Wait, so when this I was is the SMU there. story. I was still okay. I'm. So um, yeah, so we're still Michigan. Prairie View, Michigan. Are you Michigan ba- was after Baylor? No, Baylor then Michigan. Baylor was first and then Michigan. Yes. Okay, but then you mentioned SMU. So SMU was in the mix. One of the mix. Then. One of the mix at while I was at Michigan. So these no one way. of the four schools I'm interv- not interviewing, but just talking to. They pursued. Yes. Um, was one was SMU. So it was SMU, University of Washington, OU, Monmouth, UTSA. Um, so um, the thing I'm saying that really piqued my interest was I always I knew about SMU already yeah so that's why it was really a little more interesting um we lose to in the sweet 16 to Baylor in overtime and um they called me and say hey would you fly we lost on like a weekend day and the next day they wanted me to fly to SMU I said listen um I've been in a bubble for two and a half weeks because you couldn't leave the bubble where was it? In San Antonio. Oh, so, so right. your hotel was just the one team on one floor. You couldn't leave the floor. Our our breakfast uh-uh. was delivered to the door. Nope. Uh-uh. And we were in a bubble. They had to be as safe as possible so no yeah, one could go outside your bubble. I would have a panic attack. Right. So, I mean, even like to the point where our meetings were like on Zoom, things like that. Um, so I uh, interviewed over the Zoom call with SMU for five hours. With one I didn't sitting? fly out. What do you eat? Like, what is a Zoom for five hours? I mean, they just So basically, you. let's say uh, the senior executive committee, the SWA, the players, the, the players president. They didn't. I'm just giving you examples. Oh. But the president. Um, so different people are interviewing me, and they're, I'm just basically on a Zoom call, like as if I was going to different meetings on campus. Oh, I got you. So um, after that, they offered me the job. I never even stepped foot on campus. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> that is a that is a leap of faith. Yeah, um, and I told them I said, "Listen, we had a very traumatic f- flight from San Antonio back to Ann Arbor. It, we had to do an emergency landing in Evanston, Illinois. Hell no. The the Mm-mm. the the actual things dropped down. The um, oxygen mask. Yes, nope. that's how bad it was. Nope. So I told them if it's gonna hurt me that I can't fly out, didn't let me know, and they said no, it shouldn't hurt you at all. The other two candidates actually came in person, wow. so um, did my Zoom. Um, and they offered me a day later. And then here you here, are. Here I am, a here year and a half at, later. That's a, that's a lot of story to take in. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad that a, a terrible, a turbulent flight led to smooth air here in, in well, Dallas, Texas. Well, I think I would have been all right if I was in person too. So, um, so, so uh, you, you uh, which obviously, yeah, you're, you're you're in sales, right? And, you know, the first thing you sell is yourself, which is For probably sure. a big part of recruiting. And, and that's it wasn't necessarily one of the questions that we had, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. You're in a you're, you you can it would con- is Texas considered the most competitive state for collegiate collegiate my gosh <laughs> how would you rank Texas as far as you know collegiate athletics and the competitiveness where we've got SMU Rice Houston UT UTSA which is a player now there is 
North you know, Texas. North I mean, Texas, yeah. all, Houston, all these yep. different schools that are here. Did you have any idea what you're getting into coming to Texas for the first time ever as a head coach, the first African American head coach, head coach at SMU, and then they just kind of hand you, you know, the a, reins a, and just tell me do what I gotta do. The, no, I, the, here's the thing. Um, for me, I try and not think about all that and just the passion that I have for the game, the love that I have for the game. Um, being that I was always familiar because I was at Baylor for six and recruited the Dallas area, I had a lot of connections, networks, people that I knew. It was a no-brainer for me to come back to da- Texas in general because had Texas has the Had you been to Dallas best- before? Yeah. But just for games. Recruiting, never looking, yeah. But you never really experienced Dallas. No. Which Dallas is a, a different animal altogether. It's yes. almost like Newport Beach is put in the middle of, of <laughs> Texas. And that, yeah. that's a different thing in itself too. But No, for sure. But I think Texas does have the best talent. I think they have – the competition is amazing. Um, you really don't have to leave the state to recruit, to be honest with you, or the border states either. I mean, you got Louisiana, Oklahoma. I mean, you have these states right here bordering Texas that you can get the most elite talent. And why not come to a place where – the academics are prestigious to me, SMU. The facilities are amazing, SMU. You got the team and the location of where we are, Agreed. amazing. Agreed. Um, marketable, number five market with an NIL now and everything. I get, I get um, it. Agreed. It was all, I'm a psycho SMU fan, and I never, and again, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm going to ask you about recruiting and how it kind of works. But when I was in school, and they would have guys on the basketball team from like Alaska, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how, like how, First of all, Congrats on having the weirdest roster ever, but right. why don't you just go recruit in our freaking city, right? right? So what, what does that process even look like where you're trying to go and, again, sell yourself in person, whether it's on Zoom or in person, but you're selling people on you know, the myriad of opportunity that a school like SMU or Baylor or Michigan or Grand Prairie or Prairie View, et cetera. Right. What does that process look like, and how does it not exhaust you knowing that you're not going to get everybody? For period, sure. Which, which is hard. And for someone like me, I have an ego. And if I go after yeah. a deal and I don't get it, right. it crushes my soul. But right. you have to go and just get rid of it real quick yes. and move on to the next. What, what does that process look like for you? Well, the first thing is you got to see what you need for you know um, these next. We have recruiting classes and depth charts. And so we look at it like that by class. So you know how many seniors do you graduate? Juniors, sophomores, freshmen. Um, but you're re- when you recruit kids, I try and sell as much as I can non-basketball, my vision, my personality, um, what that looks like for that kid coming here to SMU, um, life after ball, the academics, our alumni base. I mean, you see, yeah. it's 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 the connection and the touch point with everything. The other thing I talked about is the relationship piece. Like, the joy for me are the players that I still talk to from Robert Morris University, the first place I coached when I was 21. So for me, them still calling me, them having families, them getting their first job, anything like that, and them calling me, that's what I live for. How do you remember all their names and their stories? I mean, when you impact, they as much as I impact them, they impact me. And I mean, How many people do you think you've coached in the past 20 years? Oh, Hundreds. Uh, hundreds, yeah. That's hard. For I mean, sure. That's a, different, that's a different kind of gift. Oh, yeah. A guy yeah. that you just met as a pastor, and he's got thousands of people in his congregation. I was like, how do you remember these people's names that maybe gave you know, a percentage of their uh, their you know income to you, but mm-hmm. I, I guess you just kind of figure it out. So, For sure. Um, so back to the recruiting stuff. I mean, how, how do you deal with that? How does it not get exhausting knowing that you're – I mean, it, it never stops. And no. think about college, but best case scenario, how long will you have a girl on your team? Five years? Yes. That's best case scenario, which means that from the time you meet them, from the time they're done, it's maybe a six- to seven-year span the way with recruiting goes. So how yeah. do you – you know, how do you mentally train yourself to go into it knowing it's 
a forever thing, but it's also not. You got to use the time that you have with them, try and impact them the most. And um, like I said, those kids know that I'll have their backs off the court any second like that. They know me well enough. And, and that's what I like that they take from me once they're gone. If it's one year, because we had grad transfers last year. Mm. So a lot of them only had to – it's hard because you only can impact them for one year. But hopefully I've impacted them to the point where they – realize I learned this from you. I learned this from you. I know Coach T, I'll have my back. She's loyal. She's trustworthy. I can go to her as a role model. Um, so for me, I try and impact in that small amount of time because I always tell parents the four years in college are the most impactful because, one, you want like-minded people around your daughter, right? You yeah. want people that are instilling things you've instilled in them for 16, 17, 18 years. You want people around them like-minded. Um, the second thing is you want them to learn and grow because now they go into the real world after this. So they got to know about urgency and being on time and um, discipline and accountability and all those things you're learning through the game of basketball. When I tell them Coach T time, you can ask anybody, they know that's 10 minutes early. Why? If you go to your at any other job and you're – late three times you're probably gonna get fired probably i'm, I'm gonna give coach t some love here too to, to play off this we had an intern last summer page mm -hmm. and page's internship i believe was for one month page extended it for another month because i think she just had the work ethic instilled in her and she was here she's from australia every time coach t says i need to show up early every time <laughs> and she bring us tim tams and yeah. veg well, not vegemite but but it, it, I mean, Timmy it, Tams, Timmy I know. Tams. Literally, I just sat I there and, and crushed them at eight in the morning. It was like an Australian Kit Kat. But, <laughs> but your your impression is felt, and I and I think that it kind of goes into something that you're kind of trademarked for is your gut instinct, right? Yes. And again, like the wherewithal or the guts to go and accept a position as a head coach at a school you never stepped foot on. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's played to your benefit. But mm -hmm. I mean, how do you go and and check that where you're making decisions on the court, you're making decisions recruiting, you're making decisions in life, but I mean, what keeps you kind of trained up where you know that what your decision is, is always the best thing? Just your trust in your gut. Um, I would say being me um, and just a never again, my motivation and love and passion for the game. Like I don't get bored by this. And I think the kids also keep me young. I say young, I'm only 40, but um, the kids keep 40 me is young. the new 10. Exactly. Yeah, let's just, I'm, I, I actually, fun fact over the weekend, my hands are purple because I fight age. And this weekend, my wife was out of town with our daughter and I bought uh, essentially this stuff that was supposed to make my beard less gray. And I didn't read the part about wearing gloves. And so it looks like I've gotten into a fight with a blueberry factory because at 42, I'm over here trying to get rid of my, my gray hair. So yeah, anyway, 40 is very young. When's your birthday? October 29th. Oh, you're just it's coming turned, up. Wait, oh, you're about to be 41. 41 yeah. Oh, okay. Technically 42 because okay. my dad always says that you weren't born one, you were born that's zero. True. So anyway, a very young 42. <laughs> Um, anyway, okay. So. Um, but no, that's I think my drive and passion and joy for the game. Like to me, I'm I'm a competitor. Like like you said, you're a competitor. That's why if you don't make a sale, like it hurts you like yeah. that. For me, I love to compete. So I like the X's and O's. I like out coaching a coach. I love helping a team grow from this to that. Like to me, that's like I love the game and passion is so much. That's what my drive. How do you turn it off? I mean, I'm speaking for myself too. It's it like you're always recruiting. Right? How do you turn it off? And also, like, I have the hardest time enjoying life in Dallas outside of my house because I feel like, you know, whether it's a coach or a salesperson, entrepreneur, a pastor, a public figure. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are waiting for you to for us to fail. Yep. Which I think makes it hard to go and just kind of be yourself in a public setting. Is that mm -hmm. hard for you? No, I just think there are times I always tell our our kids and even our coaching staff, like 
have that balance. If we don't get a kid, yeah, it, it hurts. But then like how you said, a reset mind, if I tell the girls, don't let the last play affect the next play. Don't but let the last play affect af- the next play. Well, here's an example. So if you turn the ball over, I'm cool with that, but I'm not cool with that. But if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Get back on D and try and get it back. But then don't come on offense and, again and just, uh, oh, I forgot to do this because I, I, I t- just turned it over. And you're all, don't let the last, just wash it out. You miss a shot, wash it out. Next play. So I'm really big on that. I got to take my own advice, right? So, yeah, we're going to work hard, and we're never going to be out-recruited, because of work, not because we were lazy or work ethic. It might be something where they don't want to be in a big city. They want to be in a country town. They might, you know, we might not have their major, something like that. But never let it be because of work ethic. Let it be because of something else. And if that's the case, a coach, a player might tell me or a recruit might say, I wanted this level. I wanted this. Some It's never going to be because I didn't hear from the coaches or I didn't feel the love. Or For me, I think that balance, and I tell our kids and our players and, and our coaching staff, have that balance. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I always say life's really short and we're here only a little bit of time, but what you leave is your legacy. Um, and that's the important part is no matter what, any impact somebody works for you, you're leaving your reputation when yeah. they leave because they only can say whatever they've been under you. So just being smart in that aspect and how you impact and how you lead and, and, and all that. Yeah. I think life is really long. And I think it's, I mean, it's obviously all based on perspective. But yeah. I think that I, I tell you all that to where if you're listening to this today or you're watching it today or you're listening and you're watching it and getting our views up, thank you. But <laughs> Uh, you can still make a decision to make an impact. And I think people Absolutely. at our age, whether you're 40, 42, 100, or three, you have a lot of time to go and actually impact people. What's your escape? How do you go and find balance knowing that you, tennis was your first love, basketball is maybe your forever love, but how do you turn it off? Where like, are you at a restaurant, you see somebody that like, well, they got quick feet. I want It's like, oh my God, <laughs> I have to enjoy my salad. I mean, what, what's it? I love, I love to cook. Okay, I um, love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I love cooking. But you um, cook for your team. And that's when Paige first started. She's like, Here, this is last night at Coach T's house. She made us dinner. I was like, basketball and cooking. You, you can't escape it. Well, I'm, they had we, we were catered that day. So oh. uh, that's a little... But they did have... The team did come over. We had catered food. Um, but I love to cook. I love the vacation. We have different... So right now, NCAA has different shutdown periods, which was the best thing they could do. And the shutdown means you can't call any recruits and no recruits can call you. They can't call, text, do anything. So it's called a recruiting shutdown. It's the best thing they could have done. They have two weeks that they have after the season's over it's two different weeks so one week at a time so what's really good is you can kind of shut out everything and like the last time vacation i went to barbados um yeah so they follow you on social media and it's like two winks for i'm still want you on my team it's like here i'm in barbados (laughs) (laughs) super random but i love shooting guards that are from indiana (laughs) that are five foot eight that's to me right no i don't even refer i totally don't even probably i don't even do social media really like i shut down shut down and i'm watching sometimes because even I didn't even for Barbados I just kept my Wi-Fi on so I mean my airplane mode on oh my so God. the only way I was able to get is if my Wi-Fi was on obviously through um, text like that but for me that I think that keeps that's the best thing that the NSA could have done done is do that shutdown period and that gives us because we don't have time like you said 
we don't have time to relax because when you're relaxing or you're not doing something, another pl- coach or another team are Which is just such an exhausting way to live. You know, it's it's it's. I mean, it's obviously what I'm used to. And, <laughs> but there's, there's always someone doing something you're not. Exactly. And I, and I think that's hard, but you have to be able to be at peace with yourself and realize yes. what you've done in a very short period of time is what everyone else wants to do. Absolutely. Hopefully, in, in twice as much time. Okay. Uh, loaded question. NCAA. Okay. You mentioned NIL, which is this whole new world that. There is no like true rule book for it. I mean, there, there's rules, but there's not true, you know, order around it. But what do you think is missing from college sports? What what could be implemented that would bring, whether it's better attendance, you know, better graduation rate? What what does NCAA need to do in our generation to go and you know fix things? Well, I mean, now the money was the big thing because they believe a lot of people were probably getting stuff under the table and this and that and off their name, image, and likeness. Like, think about it. I don't know. Let's just go back to, I mean, a player that would play and you couldn't have their jersey in, but they were coming to the games. They were paying all this money to watch these guys or girls, and they couldn't get any payment off of that. Um, And so I'm just happy that they have this NIL now because – you know, if they have their names in, on jerseys in the stores or now they can sell their gear and they can for autograph sessions or dinners or speaking engagements, they can get paid for. It. These kids don't make their own scholarship, but you can't work. Yeah. Oh, Reagan walked me through her schedule we yeah. had last week and I, I was like blown away. And I had friends who were athletes, but I never took like deep dives in conversation. She has no free time. None. None. And it's, I mean, it, she, it's, it's more work than people. It's more work than what I do. Yeah. And, it's it's really hard with these kids. And, and, you know, think about being a student at SMU, like, like going to the library, nope. making sure you're ahead. Now they go away on games, away games, not in class. So they're missing that from the thing you're teaching in, in actuality, you're teaching yourself, whatever you missed, unless, unless you have somebody in class that's taking notes, that's a regular student. And, they and have the same expectations to pass right. like someone who didn't play. And sports. you have to be eligible. You have to be full time student. You have to, they require study hall hours. I mean, play basketball. Remember plays. And also have like somewhat of a life. Have yeah, some, and have like, their own social life. That, I, I mentioned Reagan. It's a girl that I'm unlucky enough to to help mentor while she's in school. And I just kind of was like, "What's the one thing that you wish you had?" Like, she's like, "I wish I had friends," and not like, but she's like, "It'd, it'd be weird." Regular. Her only friends are basketball people, Regular which is great. Students, but just to yes. be able to have that normal experience doesn't. It's not there, and so I think it's obviously only fair that if they get compensated for the work that they're doing, they're bringing revenue to the school. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and we just started the Boulevard Collective, which is nice, and so hopefully, you know, they have obviously men's basketball and uh, football, but they're starting volleyball and women's basketball to start p- be part of that collective. That's the, the NIL payout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's that's good now because i will say this rogers i know you're saying like for us to be at that same level no i'm not saying like smu to me is the best school on planet earth and it's not just because i went there i'm saying just in general but i think kids are going to start using the nil like some right now for example texas tech if we're going to go to a let's just say we go to the big 12 we got to be able to compete to recruit the players that are in that conference so if we're not giving right if we're not if someone who doesn't play is not really good might just accept to go to to Texas Tech because they give each girl $25,000 a year. What? Yeah. Like that's an actual thing? Yes. Wow. So they might not pick SMU because they might be trying to help their family. And if I'm getting $25,000 a year for four years and I can't, even though I can't, they offer me and I commit and I'm not very good, at least I'm getting 25000 a year. Golly. So... Uh-huh. I mean, who's who? Do you remember anybody getting twenty five thousand? No college players. This is. No. I mean, I mean, I this do, is about. Like, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, this is about to be, the thing. It's a business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it, and it's past the point where it's been out. I think for two or three years. But it's pat like, interestingly enough, 
it was such a taboo deal. And when it launched, there wasn't like a, a no specific direction. path you I had, know. You had to go in, which I think has benefited schools like SMU because right. we're competitive in like campus and yes. school size. But you but, have to be competitive in that, Eric, because kids want to get, that's what they can't work. So they need to get an income. Yeah. They have cars. They want to get clothes. They want to do other things. Gas money. They only have a car. Like they have to be able to provide for themselves. And yeah. if they can't work, then what? A regular student can work if they're not in school. Yeah, and then also they have no, like their summer and spring break no. and Christmas breaks. No. Rigorous. No winter break. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I give no. them four days off for Christmas. That's it. Golly. First game is on the 30th. We don't have, they don't have time to. Maybe I'm actually kind of glad I was a terrible athlete. <laughs> not, not that it matters now. but So so with all that being said too, you're, you're such a grounded and approachable person. And I think you're great in a leadership role for any school, especially SMU, which, you know, again, I'm glad I went there, but SMU does not normally have people that are so personable and loving and just welcoming as you, how, how do you stay grounded? Is that because you want to go and just always lead, set the example? Is there, what, what, what's the, what's the secret, secret sauce? No secret. I think it's just how I am and how I was made up my makeup and how I grew up is, um, you know, making everybody feel apart, you know, making sure that, um, just being you and, and, and impacting my big thing is like impact and how you leave something better than when you found it, you know, or leave someone better than when you found it. And um, making always people feel welcome, no matter what race, color, creed, disability, whatever. Um, making that person feel like they were loved and wanted. And um, because I feel like everyone wants that reciprocated. Do you remember the first time you actually felt the power of your leadership with one of your players? Mm. No. <laughs> um Fair, I mean, fair, fair yeah, I just, I think when, a, a, it's funny, one of my players from Robert Morris said, you know, do you remember this, this note, you know, you sent me um, when I got my first coaching job, when she got her first coaching Somebody job. coached underneath you? No, that I coached. Oh, that you, oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, she still, I think for me, she, having that still up in her office, and I coached her 10, 12 years ago, mm. I think that showed the impact that I know I could have on somebody. Um, and that was when I was like, okay, I'm really impacting kids without even knowing it. You mm. know, um, one of my friends from college I played with, she told, she got inducted to our hall of fame and she said, coach T, well, she said T, can you come back to my hall of fame? Because you played against me every day and made me the player that made me into the hall of fame player. Wow. So for her to be able to invite me to do that, um, and be, it was just her. Now our whole team was a hall of fame. It's just her. She texted me and asked me that. And for me, like that's my appear at that point, yeah. you know? And so for me, it feels like those little things help to impact somebody down the line. And they felt that down the line years later. Um, so that's kind of how I feel. It's not so much one thing. It's just an everyday thing on how you impact someone so that one day it clicks for them. Um, and then they feel it and understand it. What's your favorite kind of player to coach? Someone who can be coached, so can take criticism, but knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and understands that I'm trying to get more out of you than you even know that you have inside of you. So I'm going to pull you and I'm going to coach you hard, but I'm also going to love on you hard too. So I'm definitely a coachable player, um, a player that um, loves the game. When I first got to SMU on the Zoom, I talked to the team and I said, who loves the game and who likes the game? Let me know. And I said, who is committed to the game and who's interested? Because if you're interested and if you like it, then that's you kind of sometimey. You're not always too fit in. You're not bought in. You're not all in. If you love it and you're committed to it, that's something you're doing every day. If that's in the classroom, on the court, extra hours in the in the court, study hall, trying to be your best at all times. And so, 
One girl raised her hand. She was like, I'm kind of one foot in, one foot out. I said, I'll help you. You can go to school to SMU, but we can't rock together because I too, I love the game too much. I'm too passionate about the game. I'm grateful about the game because it can be taken away at any time. I always tell the kids, you better put in your effort to the academics that you do in the basketball court. Why? Because basketball can be taken away from you. You can have a, an injury. You can never play again. No one can pick you up pro. No one can pick you up in WNBA. You could never play again. But someone, nothing, and someone, and nothing can. Someone can never take away your education. That no one can take that away. And so, you always have your education to fall back on. So if you're taking into this basketball and only basketball, I need a kid that's committed. And that's another thing: committed to the academics as much as you're committed to the to the athletic side of it. Mm. So, but I can coach any type of player because it's not their fault. Whatever background they come back come from, as long as you can take my coach and be coachable and committed and love the game and academic side, that's any kid I can coach. Mm. Um, you look back and you look at your legacy, which you've built a legacy already. But, <laughs> but I mean, you have. You've helped thousands of girls, yeah. thousands of people, women, leaders, et cetera, mm-hmm. people that are in the Hall of Fame, people that maybe mm-hmm. didn't play. They rode the bench, but they learned all this. When you look back, what would you consider to be your crowning achievement, whether it's getting the head coaching job at SMU, mm-hmm. yeah. playing, winning the national championship, um, you know, I mean, my crowning achievement is like everyday impacting, um, graduating kids. Yes, yeah. gra- graduating kids. Like that's the achievement. It's like, yeah. I mean, there's kids that I've coached, and their parents are like, I don't know if they're gonna make it four years. No, we have the tools. We have learning specialists, reading specialists. We have tutors. We have everyone, academic advisors. Like, no, they're gonna graduate. But being able to see them walk across the stage and hold a diploma, first year kid for their family, first generation kid, or being that as SMU and like, okay, now you're going to get you a good job, you know? So you so, go from coach to fan. Yeah. Like, I just think like, you know, being able to see them to get that degree and, and then having them like deal with life during in the basketball realm, not achieving, not playing their first year. And then, you know, Paige, she didn't love the game the last couple of years she, until she, until I came there. Mm. I mean, she told me coach T, I would never would have said I would come back this fifth year this year. Mm. She never would have came back. And, but she loves it like that. Um, now, <laughs> but I think that's how I impact. Like it's an everyday thing. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's she loves the game now because of our coaching staff and how we impact her and how I made her feel. Again, that feeling yeah. of being loved and and making leaving something better than what it was. And that's just my everyday when I wake up being grateful and and knowing every day is a blessing and knowing I'm be able to impact 15 young ladies' lives Way every day. Yeah. What's yeah. the best advice you've ever received? Um. You know, always tell the truth. I always tell our girls, don't lie because when you lie, you got to figure out the next lie to cover the last lie and then you forget what you lied about in the first place. So deal with the consequences. I tell recruits all the time and their parents. They always ask me, I said, I have a couple rules. That's tell the truth because um, face the consequences anyway. The second thing, I, my big thing is be on time. That's my other thing. I've learned that. I was here 10 minutes early today, by the way. Right. So that's 15, 15. 15 minutes 15, early. 15, I texted you and I told you I showed up four minutes parking. early and I was late. Yeah. I felt she made me do 20 burpees. And I, that's when my <laughs> I told her I was so changing bad. the name to Wilson's That. Wilson's That. that. Okay. It doesn't have necessarily a ring to it, but um, we're, we're going to get there. NIL is going to give us a sponsorship deal. So be on, be on time. and then Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah, but I think the advice is just being you. Staying true to yourself. Um, staying true to you. Like, Rogers, I think every time I, I've come in contact with you, if that was at um, the original Chop Shop or... Great if, <laughs> Or if that... No, if that was anywhere, though. you I saw you at basketball games. I, I see you every day that I go on the tollway and I see your big daggone bulletin um, board 
and yeah, see your face. I, I want to text you yeah. every day. You can. Yeah, we're still, I, we're still I hiring I see you realtors. every day. Yeah, good. I'm yeah. watching. Um, but anyway, I think that like you're always the same person. Like you don't waver to whoever it is. You make everybody feel special in the part of you're not this superstar. Or you're not this, you know, like you said, a public figure or this per. Everyone feels the same. At least for me, I feel the same way. You you treat me the same way every time. But well, I ditto. think that's what I want to do to that's other people. Life, you're doing it. That's yeah. how life should be. And, yeah. and, and, and the last question is the most important. How do we support you? How do we support you, the person, the coach, the fan, the mentor, the person that's going to go and you broker impact? Right. Right. And, and it's an overpowering feeling when you know what you were meant to do. You're not a basketball coach. Right. That's just the vehicle that you use to right. go and spread the you know, the love of Coach T, but mm -hmm. how, how do we best support you? By the way, she says she's not on social media. She's on social media. <laughs> what, what's your Instagram name, please? Oh, goodness. Coach Toyel Wilson. Wow, okay. Uh, but how, how else do we support you? <laughs> I think just being present. Like, you're already doing that with our players and them being able to learn from you with their internships. But just, you know, we need people in the stands always supporting our team because they want to feel that love. Like, we talk about it, but actually your action through the words yeah. and being in the stands and supporting our girls and you know helping with excellence funds and all that kind of stuff it matters we're redoing our offices again we want to get to that power five where we're trying to get to right now um we're actually in the shop with three different conferences right now so in order to do that you got to look the part too and so our next phase of from the locker room is the offices and so we're trying to, to really get smu really looking like a power five they yeah. look like it already but um just a few things and tweaks that we need to do but yeah just the support overall love it for love women's it. sports in general love it cool you're awesome you're amazing this i appreciate you inviting me no, on i'm so grateful grateful i'm so grateful to be your friend <laughs> and, and just to it's so genuine and sincere when you actually want to go and make an impact and know that there is no end goal which is no. again that's daunting for people like you and me. Like there is literally no end goal. I'm no. never going to reach a point like, all right, I'm done. Let's right. take up golf. Right. It's like, no, I, I want to just keep working because there's sure. always someone that needs you. Driven. But more importantly, there's always someone that we need. Yep. So um, SMU, the pride of SMU, uh, the pride of, um, of Michigan, of New Jersey, of Pittsburgh. Uh, or is that just a place that you stopped at just along stopped, the way? Yeah. Okay, that's just good. from Jersey. Yeah, I don't good. know why I hate Pittsburgh today, but I, I just I really don't like Pittsburgh. Okay. I've been there before too. It's really pretty, but it's just I right. not, um, <laughs> Well, but, the you know the Phillies and the Eagles are doing really well right now. That's yeah, true, but yeah, <laughs> e either way. But we're we're grateful for you and as Appreciate an SMU alum, you. we're so proud to have you uh, represent us. So thanks for being on here today. Appreciate it. Pony up, pony up. I'm Toya Wilson, and this is how you sell without selling out. Rogers that.